Welcome to the Jess Larson Show on Innovation and Leadership. Excited this week to have Pat Flynn and Matt Gartland. Guys, thanks for doing this. Our pleasure. Thank you. Pat, do you want to kick us off for a second and just tell people what SPI is and uh, and for the rare person who doesn't know of you, a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, th- thank you for having me. You know, SPI started um, online in 2008, but it wasn't my first thing I did. In fact, I was set out to be an architect. I went to architecture school and uh, got a great job in the Bay Area and was going to do that for the rest of my life. And then 2008 happened and I went down along with it. And it was very difficult because I didn't have a plan B. And I was also very upset because I had done everything the way I was supposed to. You know, my parents told me and society taught me I was I was going to get the home and the white picket fence and, you know, 2.5 kids, whatever. Like I was following that path. And then all of a sudden the rug got pulled out under me and I didn't know what to do. And I actually went to uh, podcasts for for some help because there were a lot of podcasts out there that were teaching a lot of stuff in the realm of online business and entrepreneurship. And I was like, wow, maybe I can I can do something online. But most of what I found was was kind of trash. It was like very scummy and very snake oil sales, salesman-like. Uh, although I found one podcast that seemed to just invite really good, honest stories, and it was called Internet Business Mastery. And there was one story I listened to uh, about a guy who was helping people pass the project management exam, the PM exam, and making six figures a year doing so. And it just kind of blew me away because this was very revolutionary uh, around this time, and nobody was really talking about it. And he was just making it sound very simple. And I remember on my way to becoming an architect, there were a lot of exams that I took that didn't have a lot of information online. It was very expensive to take these exams, so you wanted to perform well. And so I said, well, could I be somebody who steps forward online and shares this information and perhaps sells something? I don't know, but I, I have nothing else to lose, so let's let's put it out there. Uh, and so that's what I did, and I created uh, what's called greenexamacademy.com. The exam was specifically about sustainable buildings and design. And uh, very quickly, I started to notice a lot of traffic coming in from Google because I was one of the only ones just openly talking about this information. And I also noticed my website was also being shared on a lot of forums where architects were coming together to share information about this exam. Oh, you got to check out this resource from this guy named Pat. I don't know who he is, but this is the best. These are the best tips that I found. And all of a sudden, people started asking me for more help. Um, There was a lot of wonder whether or not I was going down the right path because I didn't consider myself an expert. But I think I was seen as one because I was stepping forward online to talk about this stuff. And to make a long story short, in October 2008, I launched a study guide, and I launched it for $19.99. It was an ebook. Didn't even know what an ebook was at the time, but as soon as a person bought it, it got delivered to their email, and I'd get a PayPal notification. And in that first month, I had made $7,908.55, which was two and a half times more than I was making as an architect. So I was stoked about it, but I always thought the FBI was going to come and get me because it just did not feel real. It didn't feel like especially in juxtaposition with the years of schooling to be an architect. And then here I am making two and a half times more with just a little project. But what ended up happening was a lot of my friends who had also gotten laid off at the time were like, Pat, can you share how you did this? Like, what did you do? And I said, I don't know. I'm just kind of figuring it out along the way. So I know how to build a website and talk about things. Let me build another website and talk about that. And so I just started sharing everything that I was doing, everything I was doing right, everything I was discovering along the way and where I faulted. And eventually that became smartpassiveincome.com, the passive income part being let's build it in a smart way where we can create systems, we can create information and create courses and such, such that you don't have to be there to deliver that value after it's created. You invest that time up front and it could forever, or at least for a long time, continually serve an audience and you can get paid for that in different ways. And then that, because it was so different and because I was also sharing exactly how much money I was making and where it was coming from, it just started to make waves in the entrepreneurial and online uh, business industry. Um, and I think that's kind of around the time that, that you found me um, 
from before we hit record, you said you started following me 12 years ago, which is a, a long time ago. And that was right at the prime of just, let me just share everything and everything. And it just started to attract people to the brand. And I started to write books and speak on stage and, um, you know, sell a lot of courses and such. And here we are now. And it was just me for like six or seven years until I finally got smart and, you know, learned about hiring people. And, and Matt came uh, along the way eventually. But that, that's where Smart Passive Income came from. And I'm just super grateful because although the layoff was probably one of the hardest things I ever went through, it was probably the best thing that, that could have ever happened. I've got so many questions. My, it's actually one of my good friends, Ryan Clements. He just actually in the last couple of years finishes doctorate in uh, doctorate in law around cryptocurrency and is like advising the Canadian government on securities laws for how to handle it. So, but, uh, you know, after your stuff and everything, he went on to write his own book and did TED Talks and used a lot of your principles. And uh, it took me a few years, but I finally started my, my own show as well here. Um, so I think what's revolutionary at that time is like this idea of sharing all your income and like exactly what's going on. Uh, I mean, what an incredible magnet. And obviously so many people have copied you since and it even did well for them, even though they weren't first. But like it was it was incredible for the rest of us to like, you know, to be able to have that genuine look behind the curtain of like, does it actually work? And you're you were so honest about like, oh, this went down this month, guys. And we kind of got this like <laughs> voyeur feeling of like that we're right along in the car watching you drive this journey, you know. And uh, I'm not surprised all the millions of followers and downloads and how well your shows have done. And I watch your YouTube channel and have bought your books. And uh, I'm not surprised because it's like you've always exuded this like sense of generosity. And uh, it makes you really easy to share it to my friends. Um, let's switch for one second. Matt, how did how did you get on the SPI train here? Uh Around the five-year anniversary mark, I'm proud to say, uh, that was when Pat was writing his memoir called uh, Let Go to start to kind of begin to memorialize some of these teachings and stories that he was just mentioning. Uh, and at the time, I had a creative production company, creative agency uh, that was really working with professional creators that we, we that's how we think of them today. You know, professional writers, authors. Uh, some YouTubers, some podcasters, uh, the, the the notion of this like all in idea of creators hasn't hadn't occurred yet. Uh, but that's essentially what we were doing. So to, through some mutual friends, you know, Pat and I got connected. Uh, that memoir project, let go, was our first project together. Big success. And we just started to like, okay, what else could we do together? And so as my company uh, was growing, so was SPI. We sort of just naturally kind of found ourselves in this kind of serendipitous relationship that increasingly became a friendship. Our families got to know each other. So like we just kind of grew close together and we would, would trade business advice, you know, kind of, you know, unofficially on the side to support one another. And fast forward to 2018, it's like, you know what? Like, this is the best work we're doing. You know, my business had grown, SBI had grown, but, you know, let's go maybe all in together and like do something, you know, more real than ever. So that's what we did. So we, we folded the, the companies together. Uh, the new media company was born, you know, after that. And we're doing a lot of things different than, than we've ever done. And it's, I think, really a testament to just evolving as entrepreneurs and business leaders and trying to serve still with the same ethos, but like really think about like what's new and different now in 2020 than even back in 2008 when Pat first started. Yeah. So why don't we dive into that? What is one of the things you're most excited for over the next year, years to come here? Well, so much. Um you know, what we always consider is like what is most helpful to the audience who's learning, right? 
And in the beginning, it was just information. This is why I think my lead exam website uh, took off because that information didn't exist before. So I compiled it, put it together, and it did very well. It put um, put it on the map, and was I was able to get paid for that. And then bringing those principles into the smart passive income world in, in the entrepreneurial space, we have been creating a lot of online courses, courses about how to start a podcast, how to do affiliate marketing, email marketing, all, the, all those kinds of things. But we're also noticing that there's a shift now. I mean, in fact, this is what my next book is about. It's, the, it's about the fact that the information is freely available almost everywhere now. Like that's not a problem anymore is to get the information. The problem is how do we filter that information and how do we actually put things in, in, in our favor to actually execute on the important things. And this is where Matt and I are both really excited for the future of, of online education. And we're trying to really paint a picture for what it's going to be like for others and pave the way even. And that's this idea of, of even community powered courses or just community in general. The idea that, yeah, the information's free, but you're still gonna need help. You're still gonna need guidance. And much like going to the gym, you know, it's much easier to go to the gym and get motivated to do so when you're doing it with other people who are also sharing the same goals, who are in the same part of life with you, et cetera. So we can, with our reach and with our, with our clout, be able to bring people together in a safe space to be able to go through that material together or even just to connect. It's even we, we launched uh, our first community, SPI Pro, in 2020 during the pandemic, and that was really important because people were craving – connection, but we weren't able to connect uh, like the ways uh, we were used to. So we built our online version of those moments at conferences in the hallway when that's when you, you know, you're connecting with people and you're sharing advice and you're collaborating and partner, uh, partnerships are forming. We built SPI Pro to house a safe space for our community to come together, our existing uh, entrepreneurs, not beginners. We have another community for that that we launched recently, but people who have established businesses who are at that stage in their entrepreneurial journey who could share the ups and downs and, 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 and all those kinds of things with each other. And we ran a survey when we launched that. And we said, what do you want in here? And we listed a whole bunch of different things that we could offer. And the, the, the lowest mark or the thing with, that people did not want the most was more content. That was, they literally were like, we don't want more content. We need connection and we need a, pay, a place to find other people like us. Because I think that's just the human element. We want, we want to feel like we belong to something. We want to feel connected and we want to, have people understand what we're going through. So we can step forward as leaders and facilitate those offerings. And what's beautiful is, I mean, it takes a lot of work. It, it, it requires effort to put together, but it can get to a tipping point where now the community is serving itself. It's, they're, they're serving each other. They're talking to each other. They're helping each other out. And we can just be there as guides and facilitators versus being the center of attention because we aren't the hero of the story. We are, we are the guides. It's the hero uh, very much in, in the world of Donald Miller and, and uh, the story brand book that he has. Uh, you know, Our students, our members are the hero of the story. So we just happen to be the guide to help them along the way. And what happens is when we share those stories from the inside of our community, when we invite them to come on our, uh, onto our microphone on our podcast and tell their transformation story and how SPI Pro is a part of that, then people on the outside go, oh, I want in. I want to join this too. These are the, these are my people. So that's the beauty of having like an outside content play in 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 conjunction with something on like that is more um, like a filtered space where people can come together. So that that's what I'm really really excited about because honestly, of all the things that I've created over the past 15 years of doing this, we have not gotten this kind of feedback from the transformations we've ever offered before. Uh, like life changing feedback and people partnering together to create the you know separate companies and and partnerships and it's just amazing and 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 again it all comes down to people so it's no longer what it was which was a pat just telling the story and then you kind of follow along pat it's 
Pat and Matt and team creating a space for you and you and you to all come together to find each other and and just make magic happen. And that's the cool thing. We don't we don't know the outcomes because the outcomes are are almost limitless when you bring these kinds of minds together. So I I have a friend who is is a author has anyways a guy with a lot more credibility than me asked me to run a mastermind with him okay we charged these ceos like 30 grand for the year and it was a lot about like getting their linkedin presence going and getting a book written and um uh, i definitely wasn't qualified to teach it but but uh he, he let me help facilitate it anyways and i definitely think that the students got as much from each other as they did from us for sure but like me as a supposed instructor i got so much like watching them implement things that I hadn't even implemented yet. And it's like, oh man, that seems like so much work. And all of a sudden you start seeing them do it and then it adds up and, and all of a sudden they pass these milestones. You're like, what was I doing? I just, like the same amount of time went by. They started, I didn't. They've accomplished, I haven't. And it is killing it for them. Like, um, I'll, I'll tell on one of them, uh, Stacey Havener, she's been on the show. She's, she runs a third-party marketing firm for, for um investment funds. Like if you quit at Goldman Sachs after 20 years and you want to start your own fund, she helped you raise your first hundred million or something. Okay. So she's raised like $8 billion for these fund managers. And she decides to start going on LinkedIn and she follows. So it's Josh Stiney, my friend who's, we did this together. He's been on here as well. She starts just posting every day and it gets to the point, like within a few months, she has a sales rep say, Hey, could you post less on LinkedIn? We can't handle all the leads. She's like, <laughs> No, we're just going to hire more salespeople. But, but you're like, we're like, there's an, another guy in the group when he went from zero to having his book done and published and sent me the hard copy and I hadn't finished mine. You're all of a sudden, it's like there's this belief factor that, like, no matter how many books I'd read on having a, on writing a book, no matter how many videos I've watched, all, all these things, there was this different effect of like being in the group with the people that I know and understand and, and their problems and their capabilities. And like, I think about other groups I've been in where it's like, hold on, they pulled that off? I could do this. <laughs> you know, it's like a little bit of like ego shows up in a good way. And um, anyways, I, I'm a fan of like, I mean, for how many thousands of years have humans learned from humans? Look at the apprenticeship models and the guilds from, you know, Italy in the 1500s. And like, it's just like, we're just so hardwired to benefit from the human connection and learning from what another human has done and, and pattern recognition and copying. I mean, Matt, what do you have to jump in here on this subject about? I'd say that so much of the aspiration has been there, even from the very early days of like, you know, the 20 aughts and you know, the beginning of even like blogger and like trying to like form maybe digital community. But like there was just the natural techno technological evolutionary curves that hadn't happened yet. So, you know, going from the blogosphere and then podcasting maybe got a little more intimate because you can hear people's voices and then like moving the puck forward through, you know, the rise of social media, like these different stages of like the internet, which is back over 20 years. Like, I think we've, we've all been, you know, to your point uh, about people craving people connection and learning from each other. Like it's always been there, but with now where we are, like we can actually harness and build community in a more palpable and like, I dare say like real way than ever, right? Using new technologies and new methods that are now available to us that we didn't have these mm -hmm. even five years ago, let alone 10. So like, you know, using a platform like Circle uh, that we use to, to build our communities didn't exist. You know, they're taking a very like uh, Notion-esque approach, uh, which is fantastic in our opinion, which is a very modular structure. So we can, as the community builders, design and implement our community 
that is more like in our design versus like an out of the box, one size fits all model to community, which is great because communities are diverse and dynamic and always evolving and changing. So like that's been really helpful. So I think like there's always been that promise and aspiration of the community, but like thankfully now we can actually do it mm. in a way that we've just never been able to do uh, before. I don't see that shift slowing down though, right? So like in terms of our advocacy around wanting to teach the methods that are working and, and where where's this going, like this this drive to be online and achieve more financial independence and freedom for yourself and for your family uh, that's still at the at the epicenter of everything we do with SPI. You know, this is now really what Pat and I are motivated by to not even teach, but genuinely shift uh, a lot of our business model uh, and pivot into more of this where we have subscription-based products, you know, for memberships, uh, for communities specifically. And then even what Pat mentioned uh, in passing there is now the rise of what's called community-powered courses. So it's sort of a hybridization between really thoughtful education and community-based elements to be more pathway-oriented to help people get from you know A to B and then from B to C uh, in their journey as entrepreneurs. Yeah, there's also even about that and something that we've experimented with within our company are, are um, cohort-based courses, which are similar to community sort of uh, flavored courses, but with a little bit more uh, of an intensive sort of structure to it. And we've we've done like four or six-week programs where we bring people in who, whether they uh, – have gotten access to our digital courses yet or not. They just haven't gotten the results that they were expecting, but they need that, that push. They need that accountability. And so we would develop a structure over a, a number of weeks where we meet twice a week and there's homework and there's worksheets to fill out and all those kinds of things. And the completion rates of those just completely outperform just a DIY situation. And, and, and again, to go back to what I was saying earlier, it's like, Having the information is one thing, and many people can use the information and get through it if they're motivated enough and if, if that problem is something that they really need to solve, then sure. But in many cases, people will uh, get information and in how many times do we get a book or, 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 or buy a course and we just don't go through it or aren't motivated to. When it's on a schedule and when there's other people involved to hold you accountable, you can get those results. And that's, that's our job is to get people those results and, and create that transformation. And we believe that the community aspect in, in, on top of that or behind it really – is, is what's going to get them there. And to Matt's point of technology, I mean, that stuff wasn't really available in the way that it is now. And Matt had mentioned a company at circle.so. Full disclosure, um, w Matt and I are both advisors to that uh, tech company. So I just wanted to be fully upfront with that. But there's a lot of great um, options out there for, for community. But Circle is by far, in our opinion, the, the, the most advanced and um, easiest to use as well on both sides. So it's funny. I just joined a group on Circle. Do you know? Um, uh, oh man! Do you know the book uh, "Write Useful Books"? It's the guy who wrote the Mom Test. Um, uh, Rob Fitzpatrick. Anyways, it's all about like how much density, how much density per page is your book, and like what a, what a service you're doing to readers to actually just be exceedingly helpful as exceedingly quickly. And he's like he comes from a like a tech background, and he approached writing a book like a tech product. So he's like, he has this whole system with beta readers and all this stuff to like, just have like many, many iterations of your book before it actually comes out. So, so you already like, you already know it works. You're not like putting out, hoping people like it. You've already passed that kind of thing. And anyway, so his program, like if you want to learn the methodology and join a community of other people who are doing all these beta readers is also on circle. And, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, product there. Uh, so Pat, Thinking about your numbers over these last 15 years, do you have stats like, like 
how many downloads or how many YouTube views, how many books sold, any of those that you can share? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for a very long time, like you mentioned earlier, I was sharing all these numbers up front, and then uh, eventually they got too big. And what I mean by that is uh, they were weren't as relatable. It was less relatable, exactly, which is why they stopped. And you know, I had shared publicly why they were going to come to an end, but people really did enjoy them. And I think that just speaks to how people want to just know all that's going on and they want the full sort of picture before either investing into something. And that's really the original reason why I did that. It's like if you're going to invest in a company in the stock market, you get a, a quarterly report on how the company's doing. And so if people are going to invest time and or money with me, I need to tell people how the company's doing and, and what I'm learning and what's working and what's not and just be honest. And, and, and it seemed to work really well. But as far as download numbers, I mean, the SPI podcast or the Smart Passive Income podcast is, um, is just about to cross 70 million total downloads since July of 2010, which is really incredible when you i mean i'm just in my home and you know i was this shy guy who was too afraid to put his face on camera and then eventually uh i started the youtube channel and the youtube channel's been doing very well i think we're gonna cross 30 or 40 million views total since 2010 but um you know i don't know if you know this but i also started sort of a side hobby youtube channel uh in the pokemon space it's sort of a a side thing one thing i i love to do is have a little bit of room to play, right? 80% of my time per week is invested to the things that I've already committed to, et cetera. And then 20% of time or one day a week is my play time or experimental time. In 2017 to 2019, that play time was used to invent something called a switch pod. And that has done really well. We actually launched in February of 2019 on Kickstarter to about a half million dollars and, and over 4,000 backers in 60 days, which was really cool. And that product still continues to run in a more automated fashion now just through Amazon, really. Um, but lately it's been a, a new YouTube channel in the Pokemon space that has taken off and already has surpassed my views that I've had for 10 years on SPI only within the first year and a half, which is kind of insane, but it's, it's, it's a much broader audience, right? It's entertainment and, and kids and adults both love Pokemon. But as far as, um, numbers, uh, as far as the website, I mean, it's, it's, I haven't checked the website sets in a very long time, but they've been pretty steady. Uh, year over year and and we're in the tens of millions of, of total views and such but you know honestly what what what, what is v is very important to me is how many people have a trusted me and, and matt and the company enough to invest their dollars into the education that we're offering and we've, we've had i think four or five thousand paying students since 2017 invest in themselves and, and, and into our education material to get results and what's beautiful is now this is going into the community as well with nearly a thousand people in our SPI pro community, which is our cap. We don't want it to grow too big. Um, but it's just the results that are happening in there are even better than just what the DIY course is. And then of course we have like our lead magnets and other things, uh, challenges that people get into that thousands of people join every single month. And uh, again, the numbers might sound huge and impressive, but the truth is like every person that we know who is taking our course or subscribed to our list is, is a real human being. And that's really important to us. And that was something that I really struggled with before Matt came on as the company grew really quickly when it was just me, I started feeling less connected to who, who it was that I was serving. And so it was important for me to either reduce my growth expectations uh, or hire people or burn out, right? And I, and I didn't want to slow down and I didn't want to burn out. So I, I hired people. I want to talk about this because we, we have a lot of founders of like, you know, high growth companies, a lot of venture backed folks that are either on the show or listeners of the show, right? And uh, I want to talk about this idea of letting go of the reins a little bit and letting people do things that you used to do. And, you know, the things that CEOs who are going to scale will have to go through. 
Um, what was it about Matt that you thought, man, I can trust this? Or what, what were what were the attributes that you were looking for that you found? Yeah, well, the, when, uh, when the, you there's Matt? a book uh, called Rocket Fuel, which is really amazing, right? It's about the visionary and the integrator sort of relationship. And I'm very much a more visionary person. And I think it was clear that I have so many big ideas and, and could only do and execute so much. Uh, and a lot of the stuff within execution, I'm just not well versed in, but was able to finagle my way through with some earlier smaller projects. But really the first big project I worked on with Matt is really what defined what a true integrator could potentially do. I mean, it was uh, his company who was helping to edit and publish my my first book, Let Go. Um, and that project was so smooth. It just like, how is this this easy? Oh, because I actually had a person who knew what they were doing along with me. Um, and that's why I wanted to continue to chat with Matt because I had a lot of other big visions and big, big projects to work on that I knew Matt and his organizational skills and his love for spreadsheets and all this other stuff that I just want to avoid. Um, it, it was a perfect sort of eventual marriage in, in, in a way. And so um, also what was important was not just that he had the skills that could fill in a lot of the gaps that I had, but most of all, just he cared about the audience as much as I did, even when it was just from a, a working relationship with the, his agency that I just hired, like he actually cared for the people and the readers. And, and that's what attracted me to Matt as well. And then when we combined forces in 2018, um, you know, Matt, although uh, an incredible integrator is also a visionary and he was able to offer a lot of great ideas for where this company could go and how we could continue to grow and scale. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, this, this uh, sort of work into community wouldn't have happened or at least not as soon and the the team behind it, which is you know mostly Matt's doing, is is his specialty as well. So I I owe a lot to Matt, and it was very difficult for me to let go of a lot of things, especially as somebody who um, was working in the business on my own for quite a while and wearing all the hats. Very proud that, that I was wearing all the hats, um, but again, it got to the point where I was feeling stretched thin, and uh, to be stretched thin in the business as well as also stretched thin as a husband and a, and a father, I knew something had to, to give and I wasn't going to give up a relationship or, or my kids uh, just to kind of grow in business. So I need, I needed to let go um, of a lot of things. And it, you know, you eventually find out that, wow, there are people who do these things much better and faster than you ever could. And who actually love doing those things. It's like, why, why did, did I wait so long? So I love that book. I'm, I recommend it to CEOs all the time. And I guess my question for you, because I'm going to ask a reverse question to Matt here in a minute. But uh, if you had advice for, for founders who, you know, they're, they're doing the kind of dollars that it makes sense to look for that integrator role, what's one principle? You know, obviously, somebody who scores off the charts on those integrator. And by the way, everybody should just buy the book and take the tests. Okay. But um, so obviously somebody that scores well, somebody who's got a track record, but is, are there any other tips that you have for another CEO who's like, okay, I'm ready to bring on this integrator who can be here, you know, whether it's chief operations officer, president, whatever that title ends up being. But Yeah, I mean, what, what again, what helped with me was the ability to work on a particular project, a singular project and see what that was like that was contained, almost like in a Petri dish where you can kind of experiment and see what happens. And if it kind of goes out of control, you can just throw that Petri dish in the trash, right? But we found a winning formula that worked in that first Petri dish that we worked together on. And we were like, okay, let's copy that formula and all these other projects that, that we were doing. So we had like pipettes going just right off the bat there. Um, okay, yeah. I love it. But th th that was what was key, that the ability to actually experience what that help was like first before committing fully and bringing them on board. Now that may or may not be possible 
Um, but if possible, that's definitely the route that I would recommend. I, I'm such a big fan of date before you get married. I love that yeah, answer. Right. So, uh, Matt, I want to ask in reverse. Uh, I know a lot of crazies who have scored off the charts on the visionary number, right? And they desperately, desperately need somebody like you to like keep the mess together and get to the next level. When you thought about somebody like Pat, who you actually wanted to hit your wagons to, I mean, like visionaries typically drive integrators nuts, you know, like we got trying to stuff a hundred pounds of stuff into a 50 pound bag and, you know, giving the whole team whiplash. How about this? How about that? Like, um, when you decided like, no, I think this is, I think this one's going to work. I think this is, I think it's what I want to do. Um, what was that decision like for you or how, how did that decision tree work? It was remarkably natural, honestly, uh, because I've been through that exact fire multiple times. I've had past ventures with different business partners, always typically some version of a visionary. Sometimes, uh, um, in retrospect, you know, there were signals there that maybe were like, Hey, like maybe, maybe this wasn't going to work. You know, um, I had a, an e-commerce, uh, studio company, agency company that was specializing in, for example, anyway, uh, Shopify plus brand, you know, doing 20, 30, $40 million on Shopify. We did a lot of custom work for them. So that was a, a venture that was ultimately acquired, but, um, had a, had an unfortunate sort of falling out with that particular partner. Um, and I have a couple of those stories where just over time, you know, relationships are difficult, you know, in the business world. Uh, so I'm proud to say that I have, I have a couple of smaller exits under my belt, nothing like some of these, these bigger ones uh, of folks that you've had on your show. But all to say is like, I've, I have enough kind of battlefield experience in, in a certain way, working with folks to kind of know like, okay, when 2018 came around and a lot of those stories were sort of uh, behind me at that point. Uh, I still believe in a romantic notion of partnership. I really do. Uh, that, you know, I can be a better version of myself if I find the right person to to work with. And because of the relationship with Pat that I had had at that point, uh, I want to say like seven or so years, seven or eight years working with Pat. And then again, comparatively with some of my other business partnerships, I just knew. I knew that like, okay, all of these, all of this stuff that I had gone through, and some of it was, at least in that one instance, pretty traumatic. It ultimately was a positive because it led me to knowing that Pat was the right person, you know, to like, okay, I've, I've done all of this dating. If you want to, yeah, continue to use the metaphor so that like, I know that this is the right one. Um, so yeah, it just, it was so natural, like in that moment, uh, to be able to make that decision. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful to know and, and hear that, you know, kind of, it worked out for Pat, uh, in that same way. Uh, cause that chemistry, like getting that chemistry, right. is in fact difficult. Uh, and I think in the book, even, uh, the, the rocket fuel book, I think, Gino says like, there's 10 visionaries for every one integrator. So like the ratio isn't all that great, uh, for folks like me. Um, but it, it, it did work out ultimately, uh, fantastically well with that. So same question here, advice to an integrator who's saying like, am I really doing this? Am I really going to hitch my wagons to this, to this visionary? What, what's a question they should be asking themselves? That, I'd say the question is like when there is a disagreement, like how, how do you solve disagreement? Uh, disagreement can be a very positive thing. Like I, I, I don't believe that you know, debating really good ideas is you know, inherently bad or, or evil or, or anything in a negative capacity. So like when there's a different idea around how to implement an idea or how to prioritize a set of different ideas, right? To think about resourcing, to think about you know, your team's capacity, think about your own time and energy, you know, when, when you potentially hit some, you know, fork in the road and you just, okay, we're not deciding, 
how, how does that decision then get settled if there's a bit of a log jam? And I, if you just go back to the book, uh, actually what Gino says is that the integrator gets the tiebreaker. So like thinking that through both at a meta level, like how do you process, you know, disagreement constructively, uh, aspirationally still in alignment with the company's vision? And then if there really is a log jam, can the visionary say, okay, I'm going to put, I'm generally going to trust you, you know, the integrator to make the right call because it's really going to be probably on your shoulders to get it done. There's this notion around like dis, uh, disagreeing commit versus just agreeing to disagree. You know, it's a profound different thing. Pat and I talk about that with our team. So if the visionary can genuinely be like, okay, maybe Matt, I disagree with you, but you know, I'm going to support you, right? I'm going to let you do this. I think that's the litmus test. No, it's a great litmus test. Um, so let, let's switch gears. Let's go back to the community thing for a minute. So, um, Matt, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm listening to the show and I'm like, man, these guys are awesome. Actually, I do like, there are a bunch of questions that I have, and I, I think I would benefit from hearing how other entrepreneurs are solving this. So I'm going to come to the smart passive income website and I want to learn more about, uh, the communities. Actually, is that the best place? Where's the best place? Probably the best place to go would be to uh, visit smartpassiveincome.com slash community uh, for two reasons. One is that's where you can learn about our actual community offerings, but then also you can just study how we're doing it. You can see how we are positioning community, how we're building it, what are the components, and hopefully drive some really tangible ideas for your own community if that's, yeah, uh, your particular interest. So um, I don't have time to do that. I just, in like the next 30 seconds, what's your pitch? Why should I join? Yeah, it's a more sustainable business model, both right now and probably for you know the next reasonably predictable future, right? In terms of uh, where online business is going, you can have a more uh, more intimate relationship with your customers uh, that are also your fans. They can serve number two as your own like R and D laboratory, where you're if you listen closely enough, they will tell you exactly what they want both today and into the future. So you can continually harvest new and better ideas, you know, uh, and be able to build those things going forward. Three, if you implement, you know, a, a paid kind of component, which we do uh, recommend pretty, uh, pretty significantly, then you have a, an MRR, recurring revenue, more predictable revenue. Uh, and I'd say number four, it's just more enjoyable uh, to be able to continually learn and reinvest a lot of your energy back into this, this special thing that you're creating from a community. So I think it ticks most boxes from the economics to the sustainability side to just, you know, why are you even in this thing at all? Yeah, I love it. I, uh, on Friday, I interviewed a guy um, who he's built two companies over 500 million a year and then started a, a VC fund called Wing VC. And he's been able to pick 22 companies that grew over the billion mark so far. And to him, the primary skill set uh, is... The primary skill sets are like uh, are recruiting. Can you recruit a good enough good enough team that can build companies like this? And do you have a like a deep learning mindset? He thinks that's the number one thing CEOs need to scale is a deep learning mindset. And to me, like as you're talking about communities, I'm like, oh, Garvin would think that was great for like ongoing learning, like having built in ongoing learning, uh, like learning from your customer instead of sitting in your ivory tower thinking you're you're doing great because your company's growing. So uh, I want to reverse this. Uh, Pat, what would you say similar or different than what Matt already covered? You can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. And you need outside perspective to understand the full story. We never understand the full story on our own, no matter how great we think we are. 
Um, I'm speaking from personal experience, and we just talked about what had happened when Matt came on. Matt has been talking about what happens when you connect with your own company and your own uh, customers. Uh, And then the same thing happens as far as you, the listener, joining a community yourself to have access to other people who are going through the same journey as you, who have maybe gone a couple steps ahead so they can tell you what's coming up on the path ahead. But a way for you to also practice by teaching others who are maybe just a couple steps behind as well and to reinforce things that are working. But also, like I said, to get that outside perspective that you can't get anywhere else. Um, it is it is well worth the investment to join uh, a, a group of some sort, whether it's our community or another community or Jess's or, or whoever. Um, I have invested in other groups, mastermind groups in particular, two of which that I've been a part of for over 10 years now to a point where we know the other people sometimes better than they know them. They know themselves, um, and to to get that brutally honest but respectable feedback is it has changed my life. Um, but it always comes from other people, so uh, that's that's my bit my pitch for for just placing yourself with other people uh, in in communities. Um, and I guess maybe I should clarify clarify this: Am I joining a community to learn how to grow my own community? Is that what it oh, is? SPI Pro. It's, yeah. It can be. Uh, many of our SPI Pro members specifically also want to build a community, and there are spaces inside of Circle for those people to connect with each other. But it's a place for you to connect with other entrepreneurs um, across all different levels, um, uh, minus the beginner. The beginner is in a separate community that we have that has a different set of problems and things that they're trying to overcome, like uh, imposter syndrome or um, just even deciding what niche to be in. But if you have a business already and you're looking to connect with other business owners and have a connection to other people in the creator space and get feedback and get eyeballs on other things, no matter what it is you do, whether you want to create a community, you're a YouTuber, you're a podcaster, you are a TikTok person, you are building audience and you are part of the creator economy, the SPI Pro community is, is, is definitely the spot to be in. Thinking about the creator community, um, you know, I, I keep having like just having people on the show who are like, They've they've really accomplished what the rest of the world would think of as as a lot when it comes to mm-hmm. business and and statistically they're in like the point oh oh one percent of of achievers right and yet they still have further ambitions and and they end up talking to me like Jess this this show is great like you've met a lot of great people like this this seems like a this seems like this uh, this is pretty good for you I was like oh, yeah it's great it's got all these people I wish all these people I wish I knew I get to connect with and I can just tell like they're interested to like. They're, they're interested in becoming creators and they're talking to me about becoming creators. And some of them have since coming on the show afterwards, become a creator. Um, when you think about any stories for like somebody who's considering in there, you know, there's all the, like the, the self-image fears of like, well, I'm, I'm a sophisticated business person already. Will people think less of mm-hmm. me if I become a YouTuber now, or I start, you know, I don't know if I'm that good a writer, if I start writing on LinkedIn all the time or do these right. things. Um, Pat, can you maybe tell us a story or two of just like the kind of benefits that have come from you of like going first, helping people in a non-transactional way and like this, this givingness that you've done in your creator journey and, and like maybe rewards that exceeded your own expectations or anything like sure. that? Sure. I interviewed a, a, a man named Jordan Harbinger. He's a fellow podcaster. Um, and he told, this amazing, told, us, told me this amazing analogy of like how to go about life such that you you can get whatever you want. It's very similar to Zig Ziglar's, you can have anything you want in life so long as you help other people get what they want first. But 
Jordan talked about it in, in the sense of like a, uh, a layoff lifeline because he was going through a time where he had gotten actually kicked out of his own business from his partners and it was really tough, but he was actually able to call upon the relationships that he had built over time to you know actually save his life and save his business. So these layoff lifelines, it's essentially like digging your well before you're thirsty. If you dig your well, and you're thirsty, it's too late. And and by that, it, it's just all about relationships and, and, and reaching out to people and checking up on them and seeing how they're doing for no other reason than to just check up on them and keep that relationship going. And one exercise that we could all do right now while listening to this is to go into your phone, into your text message app, scroll all the way to the bottom and see who have you not reached out to in a very long time. I have an exercise every single month that I do is I go through and do exactly that and I just Whatever, with whatever time I have available, I try to reach out and just check on them and see how they're doing. And I cannot tell you how often that opens up new opportunities and new doors and just rekindles relationships that were just for whatever reason left behind to a point where they now want to have me on their show or uh, want to promote my book or, or any of this kind of stuff, all without ever hard asking for that. It just is a natural part of the law of reciprocity and what happens when you step up to serve others first. The universe just has this amazing way of paying you back, right? And there's a, a woman in our community uh, inside of SPI Pro. Her name's Maria. She has a podcast called Bloom and Grow Radio. And she is very special. She has done so much to contribute to a lot of the other people in the community that when she came out with um, you know, her podcast and came out with her book, uh, the entire community was all in support of it because she was just so helpful in stepping up and helping other people in that community too. Um, she was also one of our winners for one of our challenges, our 60-second pitch video challenge where we taught our community how to create a 60-second pitch, and she won that, and I invited her on the podcast, and that opened up more opportunities and, and, and things for her too. So to get a traditionally published book deal and have her podcast grow like it is in a space about houseplants uh, is is pretty amazing. So um, you know that kind of support can come only when you help and serve others first, and, and that's what to us community is about as well. So you know, I hope I hope that helps and paints a picture of like the style of business that we run and the style of business that we teach. I love it. You know, I, I do think about this show is like, it's so fun to be able to do somebody else a favor, like CEO of something, founder, whatever it is, author. And they're like, I get to give them free attention for this thing. They're desperately trying to figure out how to get attention mm -hmm. for. It's actually like fun. It's I feel like it's almost like a form of service of like, I get to do them a favor when they really can't do anything for me. It's like, it's almost like a sport. Yeah. yeah. And there'll be a time in, down the road, just when you perhaps launch something or you have initiative uh, for your uh, child rescue program. And it's like, it will be very easy for you to call upon those relationships at, at, at that time without any sort of weirdness. That's the other, like if I reach out to somebody who I haven't talked to in a while and I'm just like, hey, I have this new book. Can you like push it out for me? It's like, we haven't chatted in years, dude. Like you have done nothing for me. And now you're asking for something. And then here you are providing this incredible service and providing a lot of exposure and giving people a, a, a platform. You are allowing them to come on to share their story, which helps serve others as well um, and put them in the spotlight. I mean, that's of service and, and that is of value. And so when it, when the time comes, it is going to be very easy for you to, to be able to call upon uh, that help. Okay, uh, Matt, you're in this world all day, every day. Um, when you think about creators and the business of being a creator, um, specifically, you know, let's take people who are already in business and now they want to add being a creator to kind of pour a little gas on the fire, right? Um, 
What's one advice, one piece of advice would you'd have for people maybe as they're, they're looking at 2023? Um, what's something coming down the pipe that maybe not everybody realizes that, that you kind of get to see from your perspective of, of doing all this fun stuff? I, I think pur- purely on the business side, it's just a new form of partnership uh, that we can start to do within the creator community. Uh, because a lot of like the product suites are evolving and changing, we're not just having you know, a litany of online courses that are, you know, on-demand education. There's different ways to structure collaboration deals and partnerships that, you know, I think maybe the North Star is still maybe the same or pretty similar uh, in terms of being altruistic and trying to help and teach and promoting of certain transformations, you know, uh, for the end user. But there's just different ways to to partner different vehicles through community, through different forms of uh, even cohort-based courses, which is, again, a variant uh, to education. Uh, Maven.com is a great, uh, a great platform for you know delivering those sorts of, of products. So uh, I think my encouragement, like if you're in the creator space, especially if you have like other businesses or, or past business experience, like being able to bring in other experts like into your education or community, do private programming, um, special events, you know, be able to to do special events like we do um, at SPI is increasingly easier like the barriers to entry is coming down the technology is getting better uh we just did a big special event last week with our partners at circle um pat and i uh another tech company we advise is is hey summit hey summit.com which makes it really easy for a creator to be able to organize uh and execute on their own event so being able to pull people together in new experiences online is i think something that maybe people have been a little reluctant to consider or invest some time and energy into because i don't know it feels hard and heavy and maybe difficult and I don't want to do that but uh it's it's becoming more uh approachable um and integrated into community and in other forms of your kind of your business apparatus uh it's becoming more lucrative uh, it's more successful you, you can make it work and, and everyone can benefit from it uh same question for you Pat what would you what would you add to that I mean Matt took the words right out of my mouth with what's coming and what's what's exciting I think you know, beyond that, I think what's really interesting is the the how social media plays a role into this. Social media, when it came around, was so exciting to me because I was like, we're all going to connect so much more than ever now. And this is amazing. But it actually had the opposite effect where we all now feel sort of alone and, and just like maybe even envious of certain people because of social media versus what it was supposed to uh, bring us closer together, which is why I think a lot of these tools and even social media now, I think if we think about how we could use it differently, like I talk about in my book, Superfans, it's like these are all opportunities, even free ways to do it, to connect with the actual human being that's on the other end. And I think the companies that focus more on that actual human-to-human connection, you know, it's not, as my buddy Chris Ducker says, B2B or B2C. It's P2P, the person-to-person connection. And that's what's beautiful about community. It, like, fosters that. It's, like, inherent in that. But even even on social media, one of my favorite things to do is every Friday I take my dogs out on a 30-minute walk and I have them on uh, uh, in, on the leashes on one of my, one of my hands. The other hand has my phone out. And I'm just walking around responding to people who have recently commented on my Instagram comments with a personalized video. It's just, you know, hey, Jess, I saw you commented on my last post. I just want to say thanks for being a fan and for w- watching the channel and listening to the podcast. Like, is there anything I could do to help you? Let me know and have a wonderful weekend. 98% response rate. People's minds are blown away. When every other person that they're connected with had ex- the exact same opportunity to reach out, but they didn't. So if if you step up to make those um, connections with, again, no other reason other than to just make sure that they know that you know they're there, 
they all they often become super fans. They often become customers, repeat customers, and ambassadors of your brand. And 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 I think what's exciting is like there are now more and more technologies and platforms that allow us to even have more opportunities to do that. Um, we are big fans of a product called Bonjoro, which allows one to as soon as they become a customer, as soon as they become a subscriber, even you can set it up however you'd like. You will get a notification on your phone, um, and you can you don't have to have them notify you right away. You can get them in batches but essentially if you signed up for one of our courses for example uh we i would get a notification says like you know just signed up for power up podcasting or whatever i could immediately hit a button record a video that says hey jess saw you just purchase power up podcasting like a minute ago i wanted to reach out and say thank you so much and i'm looking forward to your podcast let us know if you need anything and be sure to come into the community because we've got a lot of people there who are waiting for you because we want to root you on i mean now people know that they've spent their money in the right place. They're getting support. <laughs> yeah, what's the website uh, for Bonjoro, B-O-N-J-O-R-O. And it's an incredible system. Um, ConvertKit, another company that I advise, uh, had hired a person to do just those Bonjoro videos for new customers. And this is a software, an email service provider now has a personalized touch as soon as you, you subscribe to it. Um, and it reduced churn from some it was an ungodly number the the churn reduction as a result of just that first touch point and that first impression so anyway the human to human stuff is really key okay if i haven't said it already everybody listening should go buy pat's books i bought on myself and, and listened to them on audible <laughs> and i think what i liked from super fans too is like this is something i feel like you've lived ever since i started following your stuff a dozen years ago is like um the real like human to human aspect like i think that is something that um well, it's, it's created, you know, so many people who keep following you year after year is that really comes through. And uh, and when so many things are able to be automated these days, I think it really helps you stand out. And like the, the brand of Pat Flynn and SPI, I think, uh, has really benefited from that over yeah. the years. Um, I know we're winding down here. Uh, one more time. Where are the best places for people to connect and learn more? Yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're awesome. Uh, you should listen to ours. Uh, the Smart Passive Income Podcast would be great. It's a very quick, easy search on the platform that you're on now for the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Um, Matt and I are both you know, uh, active on social media. I mean, I, I, Twitter is pr pretty much the spot for sort of conversations like that. I'm at, uh, at Pat Flynn. Um, Matt is at, at Matt Gartland. And the community has, uh, stuff that we're most excited about, you can find at smartpassiveincome.com slash community. And you can see how we do what we do there. And, and we're always welcome to new applicants as well to see if it's the right fit on both sides. Um, and just, Jess, thank you so much for having us on. And, and we appreciate the ability to talk about the stuff that we, we nerd about every day, but often don't capture these conversations uh, for. So just thank you for allowing us to share it. I will say this, like because of the quality of our previous guests, we are to the point where we're typically turning down kind of 85 or 90% of people asking to be on the show. And you were just like an absolute instant oh, yes, wow. because you've just helped me so much over the years. It was like, a, like I was excited and <laughs> immediately <laughs> talked to my coworker. I was like, hey, guess who asked you to be on the show? <laughs> Pat Flynn. And he's like, oh, really? Because he's been following you That's as well so cool. over the years. And uh, so it's fun. And, and Matt, super nice to meet you here. Uh, I, I really like your approach to business. Yeah, so. pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a blast. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, well, uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, catch us on the next episode.